listening to 247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, uh, my guest is an executive, career coach, and an author. She is Terry McDougal. And we will be discussing career happiness and success on your own terms. We'll be right back. Well, good evening, Terry. Welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, agreeing to be a guest on 247 Real Talk. Pleasure to have you here. Hey, Julian. It's really great to be here. I'm happy to talk to you tonight. Thank you so much. And, and I think what I like most about the conversation we're about to have is, you know, 247 Real Talk is known for uh, the kind of content that, that they have is usually pretty uh, deep things that uh, usually maybe traumatic in certain ways but when I when I thought about what you you your book and, and what you you talk about you know career happiness and success and I think the the name of that book actually is winning the game of work I thought that'd be so interesting and so intriguing um, because I think that any any career person has gone through the ups and downs of employment uh, in a career and and dealing with the environment and the people and, and all the, everything that comes with it. And, you know, most people, are, are a lot of people I've come across struggle with, um, you know, the balance of happiness and success. So why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about uh, your story? Um, yeah, sure. I, I would love to. I um, actually grew up in a, a blue collar family, but uh, my mom always had a dream of, me going to college, and I really I was the first uh, person in my family to go to college. Um, I really wanted to make my education pay off, and so I kind of had my heart set on having a career in business. And I eventually, after working for a few years, went back and got an MBA in addition to my undergrad, and ended up working for a long time at a couple of very large banks. Um, I eventually uh, rose to head marketing um, for several businesses at the last place where I worked. And, uh, you know, so I I would say that I had success, but I wasn't always that satisfied with my career. And um, during my career, I was always, you know, really trying to move up and just trying to, you know, be more successful. And I think that um, in a way, I kind of lost uh, lost track of how how to balance being successful and being happy. And eventually, about it's been about three and a half years ago, I actually left the corporate world and I went out and became a certified professional coach. And so now I I work with people that are kind of like what I used to be which were people that, you know, had success at work, but in a lot of cases were really kind of burnt out and not that happy with what they were doing. Um, And so now I just try to help people have a balance between, you know, being happy, but also being successful. And I I truly believe that that balance is, 
is possible to achieve. So, yeah, so getting a little deeper into that, looking at thinking about reflecting on my own career and, and many conversations that I've had with you know, friends and coworkers and family, the, I think they would want to know, I think we all want to know a little bit more detail about finding that balance because what I hear a lot of is because of you know, other circumstances, sometimes circumstances beyond their control, beyond their control, they're stuck. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in, in different environments, we all know that one way or the other, there's a political a game that's played, you know, as you get higher up the, the, the ladder, higher up in the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And we also know that we, we you know, we, well, everybody goes to work. I mean, people say a lot of things in terms of their job. But I always tell people at the end of the day, the, you know, the number one reason you go to work is to get paid. And so if you go to work and you get paid and the, the for instance, let's say the salary is at the point where it's helping you to live a certain level of uh, life. You'd like to do better, but you still also need to maintain where you are. And, you know, the alternatives seem to threaten that. Uh, You know, how do you address that? People who, you know, through those different dynamics, you know, generally feel stuck. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I actually end up coaching a lot of people that, you know, what I, I say, I coach people that are successful, but not satisfied. And a lot of times people will get started on a certain path in their career. Like maybe somebody just says, you know, something like, you know, maybe when they're in uh, getting out of school or something, somebody will say, oh, well, why don't you become an accountant? Because they can make a lot of money. And so people will start, that's just an example. They'll start on that path. And they get to a certain level where they are making the money, but, you know, they wake up and they're kind of like, I never really liked this. And they have gotten too far in their career to, you know, make a change, or at least they think that's the case. Um, you know, I, I always advise people if at all possible to really consider the things that they like to do and the things that they're good at first, and then to look in, you know, look at the marketplace and try to find a match between something that, you know, the marketplace needs that they like to do and they're good at, because then you'll find kind of a sweet spot where there's overlap and there will be the satisfaction that goes along with, um, you know, enjoying what you do. Um, But to your point, And certainly I see it plenty where, you know, people, they just kind of wake up and they're like, I don't really enjoy what I'm doing, but I just make too much money to make a change. And, you know, what, what I always tell people is that if you put your mind to something, you can find a way to, to make a change. And it it might be something like they have to take a, a half a step back. They may need to pivot. They may need to, um, actually, I'm working with a a client right now who, um, for his entire career, worked for a family-owned business, and the family-owned business is starting to um, actually 
it's it's they're kind of dialing back and they actually don't need him in the business anymore. And it's the only thing that he's ever known in his life. And he's not sure that he wants to do that anymore. So he's really looking right now at what his passion is and he's starting to network and, and talk to people that he knows to see if there's like a match between the things that he likes to do and, you know, what jobs are available out in the marketplace. You know, it, it remains to be seen whether he's going to be able to, um, you know, make the same amount of money he made in his job within the, the family business. But, you know, I, I think that sometimes there, um, there can be a, you know, a price to doing something that you don't enjoy. You know, even if you make the money, it's not necessarily, um, you know, it can, it can be worth it to make slightly less money if you're happier. Okay. So for the purposes of this discussion and to think for um, thinking about my audience and the people I know, I'm going to be devil's advocate the whole way. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'm going to be the one that says to you, look, I, I'm, 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 and I'm going to put a number of dynamics together in the one scenario. So I've worked at this job for many, many years. It took me a while to get where I am. I finally got there. Um, I want to, I, I want to continue to make more, but I, I'm stuck. Um, and as I've, as I've, uh, moved up the ladder. I went from responsibilities that I like to responsibilities that I don't really like, but it was part of the mm -hmm. growth. And yeah. I'm at an age where making a change is difficult because I'm at that that's that that specific place mm -hmm. in an age group where other companies are, even though I have the experience, and not interested in me either because. They're looking at my age and the amount of time I have left that I can probably be, you know, beneficial okay. or what they have yep. to pay me. And, uh, I, I, but I still have so many responsibilities that I can't, I can't, you know, take a pay cut. I mean, there's just all these dynamics. I, and I'm saying all this because mm -hmm. I have these conversations with people. I have these conversations with people in my yep. workplace, you know, and, and, and I think that they're, you know, and that's why I was so eager to have this conversation tonight because I, I mm -hmm. definitely feel like I come across more people who are not just stuck, and, and I don't know if they can validate stuck. I, I'm not saying yeah or nay. I'm simply saying that there's so many um, moving parts around them that are interdependent, and yeah. they're, they're, so it's, it's to step out of that mindset and to actually even have enough, have a moment to, of clarity to even see if there is another uh, direction or perspective is almost impossible. It's, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the ex example that you're using of like moving up and, you know, maybe getting a higher title and making more money and, uh, moving out of something that maybe you enjoy doing, but moving to a higher level and maybe not enjoying what you're, you know, what the responsibilities are more, that's not uncommon, right? It's, uh, that, that happens a lot of times. Um, you know, I, I, that, uh, we can't always control what happens at work, right? We can't control who we necessarily work with, 
but we can look at the things that we actually have control over. And, you know, I've seen it um, pretty often with people that I've worked with that have gotten promoted. And like one of the um, things that can commonly happen is that people get promoted to a new level and they don't mentally promote themselves to that level. And they may actually still be trying to do their old job and their new job too. And they don't necessarily recognize that when they've gotten to that new level, that they have more, um, you know, resources at their disposal. And a lot of times I'll work with people to say, okay, well, you know, get clear on what, you know, the impact that is expected of you at this level and think about how you're going to deliver that impact. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, doing everything that you used to do in your old job. You know, you may need to, as you move to that higher level, put new process in place. Um, You know, you may need to delegate more. You may need to think through, like, uh, the various processes and procedures that are in place. Um, and, you know, I, I uh, actually coached one guy who, uh, he was a, a technology project manager, and he actually didn't really enjoy what he did. And when I started coaching him, his company had paid for it. It was something that they were, um, they were giving to their sort of like rising managers and um, he was actually a little bit depressed about his job. He, he had kind of lost interest in it. And I think he almost felt guilty telling me this stuff. And I asked him, like, well, what is it that you really enjoy doing? And he said, well, you know, what I do in my, um, in my free time is I love soccer. He said, I, I played soccer, you know, my whole life growing up. And um, now I do a lot of refereeing for um, – you know, soccer tournaments and stuff like that. And when we got, we got talking, the thing that he said he really loved about soccer was um, the teamwork aspect of it. And so we started thinking about like, okay, if that's your passion, what can you bring from what you're passionate about to the work environment? And it, it like completely shifted his view of work. Because instead of looking at it like, oh, I'm a project manager and I have to, you know, do all this stuff, he started thinking about, like, what would it be like if I came in and I really focused more of my efforts on how to, um, you know, encourage teamwork at work? And it, it was so interesting because he, he started just thinking about his job very differently. He started actually reaching out to people that worked in different departments that he had been kind of frustrated about, like maybe that, you know, as he was managing these projects that they weren't being, um, you know, very cooperative and that kind of thing. And he started thinking about like, okay, if I was running this in a way where I needed to have better teamwork, what would I do? So he started reaching out to people and getting to know them better and getting them to collaborate with him more. You know, he kind of took that, um, you know, the view of how he might coach a soccer team and he brought it into the workplace and his work satisfaction went up tremendously just because he shifted how he looked at his job, same job, same company, 
but his satisfaction went up. So the, the what I'm hearing is that, um, or, you know, or, or what you what your 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 intention is is to train the mind on how it sees the you know it, the environment that it doesn't like, and to sort of find a way to to turn the positive or the negatives into positives. Um, which I'm, you know, which I'm assuming, as you said, was with the individual that you're working with can work in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and a lot of, a lot of times, you know, they say, you know, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, but, um, and again, I'm, you know, I'm going to continue to play devil's advocate just because I think that in doing so, we'll get the most benefit out of this discussion for, you know, people who feel stuck and, in, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, what percentage do you honestly think, and, and again, there's so many moving parts and environments are so different and difficult, and there are things that people, you know, let's think about today's world for a moment and recognize that, you know, there are things in the, in the environment that you might want to say to someone, well, that environment is toxic. You need to walk away. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. The, the 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 description or, or, or the analysis that the entire the environment is toxic maybe a hundred percent correct and if someone is seeking your help they may be seeking it because you're a hundred percent correct about it being toxic but they don't have the means to walk away yeah yeah um you know I think that it's important to understand what options you have. And I think a lot of times, you know, yeah, absolutely. People can be in dysfunctional or toxic environments, but I think that especially if, if somebody doesn't have the um, option of walking away from their job easily, I think it's really important for them to look at what do I have control over? And, you know, one of the things that I have seen a lot of with people that I've coached is that they don't set good boundaries, you know, that, that, um, you know, they'll complain about um, how they don't feel appreciated or they'll complain about how, you know, their, their boss expects so much of them. And some, you know, sometimes I kind of question like, well, how much of that is, truly your boss saying that you have to do all of this and how much of it is you, you know, feeling like you have to do it. You know, what would happen if you said, you know what, I'm not going to bring work home on the weekends or I'm not going to work after this certain time, because I know a lot of people will, you know, in their mind, they'll say, well, I have to stay here until seven o'clock tonight. Um, when in fact, nobody's expecting them to. Um, and then they'll complain about how they're so overworked. And, and I say, you know, maybe, maybe it's better sometimes to say no or to, um, you know, set that boundary so that you have time to, you know, refresh yourself, to recharge the batteries so that when you come back to work on Monday morning, that, that you're refreshed and you can come in with a positive attitude rather than, you know, feeling that heavy weight of the stress of the job 
which in some cases might be self-imposed. So that's an, that's an interesting scenario because once you started going through it, it seemed to have a lot of familiarity into something that I've dealt with um, before. And that is, so you're in an environment, you, you, you rise to a certain level and you look around and the people who are equal to you in position and responsibility um, have, you know, possibly involuntarily, you know, uh, cultivated an, uh, uh, an environment that, you know, created its own monster. So they're all working beyond, above and beyond. Um, they're all grumbling about, you know, the fact that they, you know, they want to go this way or they have to work late or whatever. But now because of that, because that's, that becomes an inherent part of the environment. It's sort of, um, unexpectedly or or unintentionally sets the standard. And, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on who you report to, whether they preceded you or not, you know, that, that is a standard that it may, that their actions may have now created an expectation for, you know, of, of the environment for anyone. So as long as you know, that's what you're expected to do. And I, I'm saying this because this is something I've dealt with personally, you know, sure. and then you set boundaries and you say, look, you know, mm-hmm. I can't do this. I've got a family. I've got kids. I've got whatever. I need to have a balance between my work mm-hmm. life. My, mm-hmm. And the result is not only you know, really negative, but the re- the result puts you in a precarious position. You know where your employment is concerned. I mean, there's so many. I'm, I'm saying this because I've you know, like I said, when I when I initially thought about the conversation we were going to have for this episode, I said, you know, there's so many people that I come across, and my intention here is hopefully by the end of this conversation to believe it or not, have 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 pushed the conversation in every negative direction so that you can help. In a response in every yeah. positive direction, yeah. right? Right, and yeah. I so so these yeah. people feel like you know you know I'm gonna either not get the next promotion or someone that junior to me is gonna is gonna yeah and the, all these things come into play. Some of them are inconsequential, you know, but we tend to be as humans with you know as 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 complex as we are as you know as creatures, you know, there are a lot of things that play into these things emotionally, etc. So. There's only there are only a few of us that can say, I work with ten other people. I make I'm just making this up a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, everybody else around me is making a hundred thousand dollars a year. There's a potential to make a hundred and fifty. Um, there's a guy who's junior to me that's trying to get here. I'm okay with setting these boundaries, and if he comes up and he he you know he gets the nod ahead of me, and he he, he goes from being yeah. my, you know my staff member to my to my boss, I'm okay with to that. Boss, yeah. That's not easy. No, no, it's not easy. And, you know, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, that, that type of scenario is one that I was always really curious about. You know, I was really ambitious. And sometimes I would look around and I'd see these people that would get promoted. And I would say, like, why are they getting promoted? Like, sometimes I, I didn't understand why, because they didn't seem like they were smarter and a lot of times it didn't seem like they were working harder. But one of the things that I, um, you know, when I would talk about the boundaries, one of the things that I've noticed about um, some of the people that I coach, and especially the ones that come and they're like so stressed out and they think that they have to work harder to get to the next level. And, 
you know, they a lot of times have resentment because they look around and they, they see these other people that aren't working as hard and they seem to be getting ahead. And I, I would say, like, you've got to look at, you know, what are the highest priority things that you should be working on and focus on those first. Because I think that a lot of times people are trying to do everything and they're not prioritizing. And, you know, once I sort of, you know, my book is called Winning the Game of Work. And part of the reason why I called it that is because I did not understand, you know, the quote unquote rules of the game at work for a long time. Um, I, you know, it took me a long, long time of like, watching and being confused and being curious about what was going on. I was lucky to have some mentors who in some ways kind of pulled back the curtain and pointed out what was really going on around me. Um, but, you know, what I, when I first, or when I finally started understanding the rules, what I realized about those people that don't seem to be working as hard is that they were focused on the important things. You know, they were focused on the most important things that the boss cared about, and they were delivering on those 110%. Now, they might not have been doing some of the other stuff, but they were, they were delivering on what was critical. And I think that what happens with a lot of people that get very stressed out is that they're trying to, deli- they're trying to deliver on everything. And the very important things might be at the bottom of the list. And so, and and then they feel like they're overworked because they're like, I'm working so hard and I'm not getting credit. Well, some of the things that they're working really hard on, their boss might not might not care that much about. Um, I have an example of somebody that I um, that I worked with as a coach, and he um, he worked for um, an agency, and like an advertising agency, um, in sales. And he was, you know, traveling around a lot. He had kind of a junior person reporting to him. And when he started working with me, he said, you know, I'm really frustrated because my boss has been promising me for at least six months that I will get a raise and a promotion in title. And he said, you know, I talked to her about it a few times and she just doesn't seem to want to pull the trigger on it. And he also was kind of resentful because she would come to him a lot with these like last minute requests. And we talked about this and I said, well, when she does this, you know, what is it that bothers you about it? He said, Oh, well, you know, I feel like I have to drop everything to get her the request. And, and I think that it gave him like a little bit of a chip on this shoulder, you know, and I think his boss probably could tell this. And I said, well, when she comes and asks, you to do this stuff, you know, do you ask her when she wants it by? And he was like, no. He said, I, I just, I just assume she wants it immediately. And I said, well, you know, why don't you ask her when she expects it? Or, or if you're working on something else, why don't you say, can I get you this by Friday? So he started doing that. And what he found was that Number one, it didn't throw his day out of whack because, you know, he'd ask his boss, like, is Friday okay? And she'd say, yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Number two, he didn't get irritated. And so, you know, he didn't 
he didn't have that like, you know, bad attitude vibe that was going out towards his boss. And number three, within like a month after he started doing this, he got the raise and promotion. And I really think that because he, he was telling himself that if she asked for something, he has to do it immediately, that he was, he was resentful. His boss could tell, therefore she wasn't trusting him and she wasn't giving him the promotion, even though he had pretty much proven, proven himself in every other way. Um, and so just that little tweak was all it took. And he, he, you know, gave the credit to the coaching that we did. He said, you know, I'd been, you know, wanting this and trying for this for six months, even though she promised it, you know, after we start working together, you know, and I, I put these, um, you know, this approach in place, you know, a month or six weeks later, he gets the promotion. So I'm going to, I'm so, gonna, okay. So yes, I, um, I do think there's, there's, you know, definite, uh, value in, in, in what happened in his scenario. And I think that people do, mm -hmm. um, fall into that, um, trap, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But I've also, yeah. I've also dealt with being in a situation where, you know, I can do something to, to the best of my ability, meeting the requirements of my boss, getting, mm -hmm. getting all the associated accolades but being in an environment that basically says you you you're just you're only as you're only as valuable as your last victory mm -hmm. so and and it creates that kind of environment where every single time you need first of all it creates an environment where whenever you're called on you you know, it's like in the state jump you don't ask why you ask how high and then mm -hmm. you're you're the minute that you you have to step back, and I'm talking about simple things sometimes, like you know you work on something, you do an amazing job, you get you know you get praises from from the top to the bottom, and then we go to the next uh, fire that we have to put out, so to speak. And I work in that mm -hmm. kind of high high intense, you know, it can be uh, mm -hmm. very intense at times. And then you yeah. say, you know, you know, the last time we did this, we stayed here till nine o'clock at night. We got it done. Then, you know, we, we're in an even worse scenario now. And says, oh, by the way, listen, I can't stay tonight. My, you know, I, I don't have a babysitter or, or I promised my kid or whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, and I've actually heard responses, you know, like, well, you know, okay, you know, just letting you know that, you know, if, 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 if you know, when you're called upon, you can't, you can't meet, you know, what we need. Just, you know, don't feel, I don't want you to feel any way when the time comes and you don't get what you expect. And that's been said to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, believe me, I'm not saying that, um, there's any magic bullet to fix issues. You know, I mean, there are bad bosses. And there are toxic work environments. And sometimes when I'm working with a client, um, you know, I'll advise them like, okay, try this, this, and this. And then they come back and they say that didn't do any good. Um, and at some point as the employee, it is up to, up to you to decide like, okay, this is what I'm willing to do. Is this a good fit with this role? You know, and sometimes it's not. I mean, I've advised people sometimes, like, I don't think it's going to change. 
So, you know, you will have to decide whether you can stay in that environment or, you know, is there something that you can do to be able to adapt or, or change what's going on in that dynamic or is it better to leave? And And sometimes leaving is not an option. Yeah. And then in that case, it's like, well, can you put your boundaries in place and accept what happens? I mean, I, I think that there are, I mean, I've seen, um, you know, people who were very un- unapologetic about putting their boundaries in place, you know, um, and they'd say, look, I don't, I don't work overtime. And, you know, it doesn't, maybe they're not going to get the opportunities that somebody else that's willing to, you know, work late or whatever. Um, but, you know, if they put that boundary in place and they do a good job when they're there, you know, maybe they're not going to get the promotion, but they're also not going to burn themselves out and right. they're going to have the, you know, happy family environment. So what I'm, well, the reason I pushed that last, um, um, and, it, and that was a very real scenario, actually, something that I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, no, believe me, I've seen them. I've seen them. The reason know, I, I, I see it a lot. Right, yeah. but the reason I pushed that is because as, as my audience uh, listens to this episode, I, I want to make sure that, you know, we, you and then, you know, me in turn as, as the other person in the conversation also help them to understand that what, what you're offering in, in coaching and in your book is basically the ideology that you have to find a balance that you could live with. And yes, in some cases, that, that balance means that it, it, it may never be 100% positivity. There may be a, a struggle and some negativity that yes. simply becomes a permanent part but you, you know, instead of taking a whole basket of rotten apples, you have to find a way where if the basket was half rotten, then when you're going to figure it out where it's now only a third rotten, so you can live with the two thirds good. Yeah. Right. I, I always, I always thought of it as, um, you know, there's always parts of your job that you don't like, right? To me, I always felt like if that there was a certain balance, right? If say, I'm going to use these arbitrary numbers, but it's say that like 60 to 70% of the job was something that I liked, that I got satisfaction out of. And maybe 30 to 40% was stuff that I didn't really like, right? I was tolerating that. I was putting up with that part of it because I got enough satisfaction in the part that I enjoyed. But I've, I've been in jobs where, you know, over time, the balance shifted where, you know, I was getting burnt out because I was having to spend way too much time doing things that I did not enjoy and not enough time doing the things that I liked. And, you know, in those cases, you know, sometimes you may have to like really take a look at this and say, is there anything that I can change here? You know, can I ask for something different? Can I ask for, you know, different types of responsibilities. Can I delegate things? Um, or is it time to look for another job? Um, you know, because I, I kind of look at it like we do have choices in our life, 
you know, and I know a lot of people will come to me and they're like, I have no choice. I have no choice. And I'm like, well, you always have a choice. You may not like the consequences of the choice that you make, but you know, if, if you literally have a job that is killing you, you're probably better off quitting, you know? Um, and I, and I know that that's, that a lot of people may say, well, you know, that's ridiculous. I need to pay the rent. But like, if you are going to have a heart attack and die because you're so stressed out at work, you are better off quitting. Right. Um, and you know, there are things that people can do, but I, I just take it to that extreme because I want people to realize that there are choices, right. And sometimes just recognizing that there's a choice, like just saying to yourself, you know what, if it gets that bad, I can quit. Sometimes that's all you need to realize, like, I think I can take it one more day. Right. And I, I had a boss one time who was, Oh, absolutely horrible. I mean, she was, um, she like yelled and screamed and micromanaged. She was just, she was, I, I think absolutely crazy. And I went to the human resources department multiple times they actually got to a point where they were like, don't come talk to us anymore. Like they just didn't want to hear any of the complaints about her. And what I realized, she actually kind of threatened me. And what I realized was that I couldn't uh, like resist or rebel against her anymore. I was probably going to get fired if I, if I didn't start cooperating with her. And even though she was crazy, so I actually, I had kind of a, a wake up, right? Um, I realized I was in a bad situation, but I also didn't want to lose my job. So I, um, when I went in every morning, I popped my head in her office and I would paste a smile on my face and say to her, hi, how are you this morning? It, it killed me to do it, but I did it. And, and the crazy thing was that as I started doing that, her like animosity towards me reduced. She actually started coming into my office and wanting to like shoot the breeze and bounce ideas off of me. I still did not like her, but she stopped bullying me. It ended up that she um, eventually did get fired because she was crazy, but I, you know, I took some control over my own situation. I did something that was hard for me to do, but it had a positive impact on my situation. So, you know, I didn't end up getting fired. You know, I wanted to keep my job and, you know, I, I had to wake up and do something that I didn't really care to do, but it made my situation better. And I think that's an so. important, important uh, part of the conversation, because if we look, if we keep things real, um, especially at this moment in time where the world is dealing with a pandemic, where, you know, unemployment in the United States is, you know, as a result of the pandemic and businesses closing, et cetera, is, is pretty high and people um, really don't have, the, you know, in many cases don't have the option of choice in terms of employment. Many people are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. True. And Absolutely. so that, that whole, you know, we all get, I think every single person who's 
worked somewhere long enough, has gone through many instances of just wanting to get up and say, I quit for one, one reason or the other. And, and reality steps in and says, no, you can't because the electricity bill is due tomorrow, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, and, exactly. and, um, so, and, and I'm saying all this to say, I, I wanna, I, I wanna make sure that, again, that people who hear this conversation really take a step back and listen to what we're saying to the extent that they understand that what, what you're saying is, is not so, um, unrealistic that even though some people's reality is a lot worse than others there is the part here the the, the reality too like you just mentioned where you you kind of have to suck it up sometimes and and try to try to have other people have less impact on 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 what happens to you in your day? And sometimes that's hard because again, I've, I remember, I don't know, 30 years ago or, or 35 years ago working for a boss who was totally, uh, miserable, verbally abusive. But I, mm-hmm. I, I, at that point yep. I needed the job and it wasn't easy. I was, I was, you know, I was in the beginning of, I was at some point in college, but not to the point where I could, and the job allowed me the hours to be able to work and go to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I lived with it, and, and the, the fact of the matter is, and I and and this is one of the things I do want to touch on before we, um, we you know we we come full circle and wrap this up, and that is that people experience, and I did, and the fact that I'm telling you this now, along you know throughout my career, I've dealt with different types of bosses, and there, when you're at the earlier point of your career, when you're less mature in every aspect, age-wise, experience-wise, mm-hmm. these things stay with you because I, I mean, I still cringe when I think about that experience I had at that time. So it, it's left a, 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 you know, a, a sort of scar in my memory um, yeah. of that experience. And it's, so, it's, it's something that sometimes I'm upset that it affects me that much, but I think people who mm-hmm. have different emotional you know, tolerances and people who... Um, like myself could have been uh, and at times probably still are a bit naive in that we look at situations and say, you know, as bad as it is or as bad as this person is or the environment, there's got to be some good here somewhere. Um, we, we're susceptible to being scarred. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I uh, it brings to mind a, a few different scenarios that, that I've experienced and um, one time I remember, uh, I was in my twenties and I had this job and I'd put, um, I'd put kind of like a process in place for how people, I, I was in marketing and if people needed brochures, they were supposed to go through this certain process. And this, um, senior vice president from New York, I worked in Washington. He called and it's so funny for me to think back about it because he called and asked me to send him some brochures from the warehouse or whatever. And I, I like proceeded to like tell him what the proper procedure was to do this. And it's so funny for me to think about because, um, he, he said, thank you very much. And he hung up and about five minutes later, my boss's boss comes up to my desk and thank goodness this guy was like, he was a really good manager, but he comes up and he sort of like, you know, says very quietly to me when Steve Lovell 
calls you, you give him whatever he wants. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I kind of woke up to the fact that this guy was the senior vice president of the company. And here I was like some, you know, young girl in her twenties trying to tell him what the rules were. And it just kind of woke me up to the fact that, you know, you have to adapt and you have to, uh, you have to be able to see what's going on around you. You can't just, you know, be like I was like, well, this isn't fair. He's not playing by the rules. Um, you know, that's, that's one scenario. And then, you know, there's an, there was another one. Um, I, I had kind of this little rule in my head about like people that, were mean to you or to me or uh, were very annoying to me. I mean, I, I used to get very easily annoyed when I was younger and I, I had this like little rule called um, kill them with con- kill, kill them with kindness. Uh, and maybe it's a little bit of what I did with that boss that I didn't really care much for that, you know, that was kind of crazy um, that I just would almost to, I mean, almost to a ridiculous extent, just pretend to be nice to them, like just be as nice as I could, almost in a like aggressive way, (laughs) be as nice as I possibly could to them. It was like kind of a game in my mind, you know, about how I was going to treat these people because I couldn't like yell at them or cuss at them, but they frustrated me. Um, So I would just like flip it around and be as nice as I possibly could to them, even though I didn't really feel it. And the funny thing that happens is when you start treating people nicely, even if you don't feel it, they start treating you differently, you know? And so by doing that, what I found was that I actually got to be friends with people, you know, because they started treating me nicely and then I didn't feel like I had to be defensive towards them anymore. And that, that was a huge lesson for me. And it was also one that as I, um, you know, I, I worked at, you know, a bunch of different places and a couple times I went into jobs where I was dealing with pretty senior level people. And sometimes they maybe were kind of skeptical of, you know, oh, the new marketing person's coming in. Does she even know what she's doing? And, you know, I had to deal with a lot of skeptical people and that's hard. Um, but what I realized was that if I just kind of hung in there and I just did the best job I could do and I did not let people's judgment of me get in, get in the way of how I was going to show up, that they came around. Um, and in fact, sometimes the people that were the most critical were the ones that actually eventually made me look the best because if I could find out from them what they thought the problems were, and then I could go and solve the problem, that made me look smart. And if those people hadn't been complaining to me so much, I would have never known that there was a big problem that would be something I could solve. So, you know, just a different way of like flipping things around um, and not being the victim, but like, just saying like, what is it that I can do here? You know, cause it feels bad if you're in a situation where, you know, you either feel like you've got to avoid what's going on or you've got to fight what's going on. You know, if you, if you elevate it to the level to say, 
you know, how can I either care for the people around me or how can I find the opportunity and what's going on around me? Like if you can, if you can get to that level that you're looking at what's going on around you, uh, you know, either in caring for others or looking for opportunities, that's, that's where you get to a place where it feels good. And I also think people notice, you know, when, when you're, when you're finding the opportunities. Yeah. So, well, well, um, it, it's an ongoing conversation. I think that, um, it's certainly not something that we can fully address in, in this one episode, but I, I would hope that, um, we've given enough food for thought that anyone in any scenario that's not fulfilling can get mm-hmm. something out of this conversation, at least a starting point or something to, to, uh, to engage them in, you know, in a certain, uh, thought process to make a difference and to, to, you know, change their direction of where they are. Yeah. Um, so as, as we wrap this up, um, you, you, we've talked, we've touched on a few different scenarios uh, that people can be experiencing. If you had to leave an overarching me- uh, message, so what would you say to my audience? Well, you know, I think that um, what I say is that it, you do matter and what you want matters. And you know, to, to show up in a way that is true to yourself, you know, and I know we've talked about the fact that, um, you know, sometimes you have to work in a certain situation and maybe you're not happy in that, but to keep your eyes open for things that, that do align with who you are and what you'd like to do. You know, sometimes people work at jobs that they don't love, but they find other things in their lives that, you know, give them satisfaction. And I think that it's important to honor that part of yourself, whether you, whether you're doing it at your job or you're doing it elsewhere, because I think being happy matters. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to leave it on that note for this episode. There may be a need for us to continue the discussion um, as we see what happens in this world of COVID and how, um, the entire work environment is changing and this model is going from, you know, the, the interactive uh, daily model of you know, personal interaction to a completely uh, technology environment where, where we lose the human mm-hmm. communication and a lot gets lost in that as well. Um, yeah. So we might have to continue to another time as, as we go forward and look to see what happens. But I want to thank you so much for, um, you know, for being on the show and for sharing your experience uh, at a time, especially where I think it's very necessary. It's necessary all the time, but I think in the struggles that people are experiencing now, um, I think it's very necessary. So why don't we wrap this up by you telling us again, your book, your name of your book and where people can find it. Yeah. The name of my book is winning the game of work, career, happiness, and success on your own terms. And it is available as a paperback or an ebook on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble. Fantastic. And I hope everybody that, that, that 
that's in a scenario where it runs out and gets it, and, and even for personal education that they do. So thank you so much for being in the show. It's, it's been really a great experience having you here. Thanks for having me, Julian. I really appreciate it. You're quite welcome. As always, I want to say a very special thank you to my guest, Terry McDougall, for sharing her experience with us. Hopefully, it will help us in this time of crisis that we're all experiencing. As always, I want to say thank you to my audience and to all those those who support 247 Real Talk, reminding you that you can listen to any episode or all the episodes on your favorite podcast app, or you can head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net where you can find all the episodes and more information on the guests. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or if you'd like to send me a message, you can do so via email at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until we do this again, be good to yourselves and each other.